The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. I'm Megan Miller, Head of Content Partnerships at Provoke and today's host of this episode. Today we bring you the third in a series with Allison and Partners, licensed to accelerate perspectives on the future of health. In this episode, we discuss how the global pandemic has impacted both awareness and action around talent retention, recruiting, and building culture. We'll talk with CEO of Allison and Partners, Scott Allison, and Chief Human Resources Officer of Moderna, Tracy Franklin, to learn what it takes to survive today's talent wars through innovative approaches to recruiting and building culture, as well as the importance of transparency and authenticity for employers in today's environment. So we have a bit about Scott here. Um, Scott is a global chairman and CEO of one of the fastest growing global communications firm in the industry known for its unique culture. Scott founded Allison and Partners with a vision to build a positive and entrepreneurial environment where talented people at all levels could do great work and thrive. Scott oversees the firm's global board while continuing to provide communications counsel to many high profile executives and clients. He is an expert in issues management and crisis communication, presentation and media training, and is regularly called upon to speak about issues facing the public public relations industry. Prior to founding Allison and Partners, Scott was the West Coast president of Connors Communication and a senior vice president and partner of the Cable Group. And Tracy Franklin, um, as Chief Human Resources Officer, Tracy Franklin leads Moderna's talent and organizational strategy. Ms. Franklin joins Moderna following 15 years at Merck, where she was most recently led um, Merck's global talent strategy as Vice President, HR Chief Talent and Strategy Officer, and served on Merck's HR leadership team. In this role, Ms. Franklin was responsible for leading the vision, development, and execution of the company's talent and workforce strategy and a focus on evolving the organizational culture and talent for the future. Ms. Franklin's previous leadership roles included responsibility for HR in all divisions in the European region, head of the HR, head of HR for the UK and Ireland subsidiaries of Merck, and HR operations leader responsible for HR program implementation across Merck's global footprint. She's based in Switzerland, the UK, and the US. Ms. Franklin holds bachelor's in communications, arts, and science from Pennsylvania State University and a master's in industrial and organizational psychology from um, fairly Dickinson University. So thank you both for being here. Um, I think we will kick right off. Um, it's really interesting to, obviously we are both all sitting in our homes, which is particularly pertinent as we talk about culture uh, and the changes that have come post pandemic. Um, but it's interesting to me why we are all here today um, and the connections that all three of us have. So through this partnership with Provoke Media, Allison and Partners, our partner has brought in Moderna. And I'm interested, Scott, if you could speak just a little bit about um, why, why the three of us in this room, why Moderna, why Allison and Partners, and um, and we can uh, it's, go from there. Well, we, we've been very fortunate to do some work with Moderna. They've been an incredible client. They are really, if you talk about pandemic, Moderna is right there. It's such a, an incredible leader. And I think they were highly qualified to really speak to what's going on in the industry. We admire their approach. I think they're an incredibly entrepreneurial organization, as are we. So I think very, very appropriate to have Tracy join us. Thank you. And Tracy, um, obviously forefront of the pandemic at Moderna, um, and interested in when your conversations around DEI, culture, talent retention, 
when those really started, if there was a moment that triggered it at the beginning of the pandemic, or if this has been kind of an ongoing issue or topic of interest um, for Moderna, really where the origins of your conversation have started. Yeah, so thanks for the question. Um, so, so a bit of context. So I joined in October of 2019, so pre-pandemic. Um, the organization that I joined was about 700 people, early stage clinical biotech, rapidly moving to late stage for a product we thought we were going to launch in three years. So we had no idea that the pandemic was right around the corner. Um, but one of the things that drew me to Moderna was the culture and the ability to be your absolute authentic self. So what I found with this company was a group of really great people pointed in the same direction, trying to make the impossible possible. Um, so which we, we later we later did, which was fun. Um, but what what had happened was during the evolution of the pandemic, we hired so rapidly. So we had about 700 people when I joined or about 3000. Now we had 55 senior leaders, we probably have 110 now. And they all came from different companies. Um, and so in about summer of last year, Stefan and I kind of sat down and said, uh oh, <laughs> we have we have a situation here. It was almost like we had um, a merger integration, but a really complicated one because we had in you know legacy moderna and then you know a little pocket of gsk a little pocket of merck a little pocket of pfizer and everyone was operating off of different a set of behaviors and mindsets and assumptions um so it was at that point that we decided to make a concerted effort around really compiling what it was like to work at moderna we had our high level values but we got very specific around the mindsets that were needed to, to propel the organization forward. And through that, we had always had a focus on uh, belonging, diversity, and inclusion, leading with belonging. Um, so that's kind of the origin of, of where that culture work started. Thanks. And Scott, um, for you over at Allison and Partners, imagine it has, you know, for many of us, these have always been conversations that have been relevant to our organizations, but the pandemic just really highlighted the need for it. Um, where were your conversations with Moderna in this process? Were you kind of walking similar paths or were you really interacting together as you thought through what yours would look like at Allison and Partners? Well, I think there's an overlap in approach and culture. And as I said, entrepreneurship, but I think we were having to work parallel paths. I think obviously have a major healthcare and everything that Tracy's and Moderna were, were tackling different than a PR agency. And I think we were dealing with some of the same global hiring retention issues. So certainly there's similarities there, but kind of having to march on our own path based on industries. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so curious, um, Tracy, when you talk about like the different pods or organizations that were coming together from various um, other organizations, were you dealing with um, entire teams that were coming from one sector and then another team that would come from this sector where they were um, individuals from the previous company were still working together or was it just a general kind of mashup of everybody all in one space? It was a general mashup. So, so we would hire the leader because remember we were we were early stage moving to late, but we didn't have capabilities to walk a product out the door globally. And so we had to literally build functions that didn't exist before. So we would hire the leader of the function, be like, welcome, come go build your team, go build your team, go build your team, right? And so, so it was a rapid, rapid hiring. 
um, with people from all different um, industries, from all different companies that came together. And then as you've developed these mindsets, which I'm actually going to ask you about um, momentarily to kind of walk us through the mindsets that became your framework, were you thinking through what that meant for partners that you were working with? So something, somebody like Allison and Partners or other um, contracted um, consultants that you had along the way, were those mindsets, did they become relevant to um, the priorities that you had with other um, partners that you were working with? Yeah, so it's a great question. I think the our ability to memorialize the mindsets has helped us to communicate when we do external partnerships around how we operate, right? So we are, you know, a, a company that prioritizes urgency, moves quickly, you know, bold, right? And so our ability to be able to crystallize that, put them on our website, and but but then use that as a tool when you go through an RFP or partner selection and things in that, of that nature. So, you know, the people who you're working with understand the way you're operating has been really beneficial to us. Yeah, and Scott, um, have, have you seen sort of like, obviously your framework of both organizations kind of mesh together, but what was it, what is it that stands out to, with Moderna and then Allison and Partners on why you make such good partners for each other? Well, I think Tracy touched upon it. They are a fast moving organization. I mean, they are scaling really rapidly. They were doing some of the world's most important work, obviously racing against the clock to develop, you know, a game changing vaccine. So kind of a different, but the similarities, I think an approach, the kind of people we hire, uh, strategic people, entrepreneur people, people that can move fast. I think that's where the mesh is. Dealing with the pandemic, I think we were in a couple different places though. I think as Tracy, they were scaling so fast. The work was so critical and so important. The communications agency, you know, had a, had a different approach. I mean, and I think if you look at the pandemic, it's kind of a tale of, uh, of two parts. Uh, mm -hmm. The first part on our side, our industry got crushed in the beginning stages of the pandemic. And I think it was a big part of our, our culture. So a lot of companies, uh, a lot of agencies in particular, were doing massive layoffs those first three, four months of the pandemic. And we made a decision that we would not lay off one person. And we never did lay off one person as, as we navigated that first phase of the pandemic. Tracy's experience, I'm sure, was a little bit different because they were polar opposite. You know, they weren't in layoff mode. They were in mass scale mode. So, again, we were on kind of diver divergent paths and each dealing with separate challenges. But the core of the kind of people I know that, that Moderna brings on board is very similar to the kind of people that we bring on board. And I think that's where the real similarities were. And I think for your culture, that's so critical, right? That commitment that you made to not let one person off and actually do it had to really reinforce, you know, the values of your company and how your culture works. So, so kudos for that. I think that's amazing. Well, I think too, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, we kind of battle. We launched our company a week before 9-11. So I always say we, you know, <laughs> the first year was, you know, a brutal downturn. And then our, our 20th year was was a pandemic. So it kind of bookended on crises. And we put such an emphasis on taking care of people. We navigated the recession in 08, 09. And I think that becomes a hallmark of the culture is you, you really take care of, of good people. And I think folks did appreciate that approach. I mean, I used to get a lot of nervous calls saying, oh, just tell me, tell me, tell me, are, are we going to let people go? And I'm like, 
I can look you in the eye on camera and promise that we are not letting anybody go. And I think that let people to focus on the work. Everybody, you know, I, I think of all the working parents that we're having to deal with getting kids out of school and, and, and trying to protect their own health and safety. If they didn't have to worry about their job, that was a, that was a big plus. And massively moving our you know global organization 30 plus offices around the world and trying to get everybody home and then not drop the ball for clients and i think that was the challenge is a we were dealing with this massive internal shuffle but we had to make sure we were helping our clients too so i i was tell you i would not wish that first four months of the pandemic on on anybody i mean it was a really really tough you know, find a, a lot of high wire walking to pull it all together. Yeah, we had an interesting, I think you you touched on the wellness component and I know it's a focus for a lot of people, but it's really real, right? And, and for us during the pandemic, we had a little bit of the opposite. So we had to have people continue to come in and manufacture um, vaccine. And we had to do things like pop up, um, you know, daycare centers when the states closed them down, we popped them up for our employees, we sent meals home, you know, we did everything we could humanly possible, testing, you know, protection, just to make sure that we were keeping people safe, um, as we had such dedicated people to, to deliver on the mission. And I think that that theme, you know, has pulled through right into to how, how our, um, culture and our environment works in terms of us taking care of both employees through really, you know, unique benefits. But I think what we learned is how, how to extend that to families and, you know, how do you think about the unit holistically? Um, because a lot of the times it's not the employee who actually needs something. It's the strained, you know, partner at home or, you know, elderly parent or something. And how, and so we've got these, you know, kind of unique solutions that we're looking at around really looking holistically at, at the, the wellness of the whole unit. That's a great point. Yeah, and there, and there was major issues. I mean, particularly for, we have a lot of working moms in the company and we know that the, the childcare, the school, uh, these were rough, rough issues. And, you know, yeah. I remember doing calls with a lot of work and you could just see the strain and tiredness on the face and just, you know, trying to be as supportive as we could and letting people, we have unlimited PTO, letting people take that time they need for, for all the care that was required. What were some of the factors that um, both organizations used to sort of gauge those culture needs? So um, Scott, you had kind of mentioned, you know, the, the phone calls of the concerned phone calls of, is my job going to be here? But um, when everyone's moving so fast, especially at the beginning of that of the pandemic, what were some of the ways that you quickly gauged needs were were there pools employee you know town halls what were what were the metrics you used yeah and it was just setting up our, you know we had to set up like a, a war room in our in our homes really we moved to 8 a.m um, global board calls every single morning um, we started doing initially it was daily video you know daily video programs to the company uh, sometimes just two minute, you know, quick outputs, then it shifted kind of weekly and a lot of touch points. We were doing surveys, you know, surveys every week to see how people were feeling. And really we started doing uh, all the co-founders of the company, just like tree, the old telephone tree where we were just calling people on, on teams, video calls and, 
you know, unannounced. We had no time to schedule calls. Literally, we were just smiling and dialing via like Teams and just checking in on people and just asking them, you know, how, how are you doing? How are you holding up? What do you need? And it was those touch points that I think made, made a real difference for us. And just working fast, we had a wonderful, you know, our version of Tracy, who had a great you know, head of HR who was actively engaged to in, in all of this and just coming up with ideas constantly of what do we need to do to adapt on the fly and to take care of folks. Yeah, and I think similar to us and, and a lot of those, so, you know, obviously we have surveys and employee resource groups um, and we use our, um, uh, we have a voice of the employee group as well that we tapped. I think one of the unique things that that happened to our company was it went from a fairly unknown or local known biotech company to a world, you know, name, household name in a short period of time. And some days it was good in the news cycle. Some days it wasn't good in the news cycle. You have protesters outside, extreme left, extreme right. You know, you had a whole bunch of situations. You had your grandmother calling you and asking you about the efficacy of a vaccine, which they never knew before. And so here we had a group of people working so hard, right, to deliver on a mission. But there was this level of um, attention that people didn't have before. And so we quickly realized it was always a transparent communi uh, communication organization, but we, we sped that up um, and made sure that we would just, you know, hop on town halls, explain, give people context. And I'm a firm believer, and that's why I love, Scott, your um, telephone calls. I'm a firm believer that you, you lose context over email. And there's only certain things you can put in email. And so what people really needed was to just hear, you know, how we were thinking about things, what the backstory is, why we were making decisions. And so I think that culture of that pick up the phone, do the quick town halls, do your senior leader meetings is so critical and one that we, you know, have continued to, to move forward with. That's such an interesting point, Tracy, that I think um, a lot of us probably weren't even aware of is, is suddenly being put in this worldwide spotlight um, a burned out employee doesn't, doesn't always speak the greatest of a company. And, and you guys were probably at, you know, with, with our first responders and frontline workers really in the spotlight more, than, more than most organizations that, that was, was that something that you were prepared for as, as you like threw your hat in the ring, um, to be developing a vaccine or was that something that that was sort of like oh my gosh this is hitting today this is our new reality like where where in the thought process was that conversation yeah it was fascinating when we had the you know when the executive team sat around the table um, and talked about the participation of a vaccine in the pandemic once we realized that we we knew we could potentially be part of the solution we, we 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 should right and we had to but when you really reflect on it, it was kind of crazy right so we had we were a fairly startup company didn't have the capability globally weren't wasn't sure what was going to happen with the pandemic with you know um, competitors with the u.s government there were so many different factors and as an exec team we kind of locked arms and said sure let's try to launch our first product on a global stage why not like what could go wrong you know um and so so there was a series of things that we probably Probably weren't prepared for, but luckily the culture of the company for the 10, 9, 10 years prior really um, was why we were able to be successful um, throughout the whole pandemic. And so I think 
um, the spotlight was certainly one that we weren't prepared for. And it was, it was a little crazy. You know, you had big pharma companies going out, almost speaking directly against what we were doing. And so, you know, there'd be one good news cycle, then it would go down, then, then it would go back up. And, and we were hiring employees from those other pharma companies who are just, you know, getting calls from their peers, like, are you serious? Do you really think you can do it this quickly? And so um, it almost made us lock arms as a whole team together and be like, yeah, like we're totally going to do this. Um, and then we just, like I said, prepared um, the organization with as much context as we could um, while being conscious to not make them spokespeople of the company. So we had to be like, you're off the hook. Like you don't, I mean, listen, I couldn't go anywhere without people asking me 72 questions Dre, about the vaccine. I can't even imagine what it was like being yeah. on your side. That's just, yeah, such a different animal. I mean, totally yeah. mental right? It was mental. It was, now you look back on it, it was kind of fun, but no, none of us were prepared for it. <laughs> well, you went from such a probably low awareness level to probably one of the most known companies in the world yeah. in such a rapid time frame. And I think that's probably never been really seen before. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we need great partners like you guys to help us through that. <laughs> It was an honor. It was an honor. <laughs> well, Scott, you talked about how you had 9-11 as your, you know, launching point um, and framework and, and even then the recession. But um, Tracy, did you or or I guess Scott also, as you're walking with Moderna through this, were there other case studies? I mean, nothing compares to the pandemic, but was there anything that you were using as like, oh, that might guide us a little bit or there's a learning we can learn from this particular case study or were there other things that you looked to to kind yeah. of predict I mean, there are some some basis you know crisis communication tenants that you can can fall back on but i think this was such a unique scenario and i think if you think of a global crisis that literally touches almost every human on earth you'd probably have to go back to world war ii and, and even i don't know if that was that inclusive but i think if you look at the the pandemic there is not a person from the most remote corners of the earth that were not touched by this pandemic. And I think that is about as dramatic thing we've seen. I don't think there was much of a playbook for that. I don't think there's much of a playbook now for coming out of a pandemic and trying to establish, you know, a level of normalcy. I mean, a lot of this, we're, we're all kind of working for the same, same time going through it. I think the biggest lesson that I learned was truly how important culture is, right? And how to be clear around it, how to live to it, how to hire to it, develop to it, even transition out of the company, you know, people out of the company um, for it, right? Because I think if you lose yourself, you know, and lose what makes you unique or who you are as a company, um, then that that's that's not great, right? So that was kind of one thing. And you could look to big companies who scaled to reinforce those. Um, the one, the one other thing that I feel like I really learned though was that I almost feel like we should like throw out some existing leadership books and really redo them. Like, what does it mean to be a leader? Like, how do you like truly authentically lead? Like what we, the people who work at Moderna are the most amazing people I've ever seen. And I think it's because they can be their authentic self, the good, the bad, the spiky, the whatever it is. And, and that's, different, right? And the authenticity and the dynamic range that we use. And, and so, um, so I'm not sure the answer and maybe one day we'll figure it out, but I, there's something to be said around the changing nature of leadership throughout this. I would agree. I, I think tossing the business, new business books are going to be needed rapidly. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. 
You know, it has been a dramatic shift and dramatic changes. And I think it'll be interesting to see how much stays for the long haul. I mean, it's it, what is the future of the office and workspace and things like that? It's still an unknown. I'm very curious to talk kind of future and pivot here, but before we do so, I've had one kind of lingering question, which is one of the key tenets of leadership is that you need to, you know, for lack of better saying, fill your own cup first, or you need to be making sure that you've also like met your needs before you can give to, you know, a lot of people who have their eyes on you. And I'm, I'm very interested to know, like, what was it internally that, um, whether it was your leadership teams or yourselves, like, how did you continue to find that strength to give to people in these really, really trying times? Or where did your, you know, instinct to lead so authentically, where did that come from for both of you? Well, I think, you know, you have to, in times of crisis, you, and, and this is kind of the crisis play, but the most important thing is you have to be visible. And you have to really be on the front lines with people. You have to really up the communication. You have to really let people know we have a plan. We're moving forward. Um, we care about you and your well-being, and we're going to get through this. And you have to keep reinforcing that message. But you got to be really present too. I mean, I doubled down on the visibility and making sure that you know I could be reached pretty darn close to twenty-four-seven and was available for that outreach. And I think presence is such a big part of it. You've got to be present. I think that's absolutely right. Super important. The, um, the thing that I'll add is what I tried to do was role model a bit of relief for people, right? And so that 24 seven nature, um, you know, how do you walk away from the computer? So I would do calls like walking, for example, to get, because I needed to clear my own head. And it got to the point where you almost felt guilty, like having dinner with your kids or something, right? Because everyone was where we were a tiny company, everyone was working constantly. And so to start to role model holding some like an hour over dinner secret, or, you know, it's okay to have lunch with your husband if you're working from home, um, and just communicate that openly allowed people to do the same thing um, or else you were just going to mentally fry like we firmly believe like if you're not taking care of yourself you're not the best version of yourself and so we we have a culture where you can do a little bit of a timeout like i'm now I, if i don't take a break i'm not hurting the company more than i'm helping the company and so so how do you um how do you balance that in a high paced high stress environment i think was also an, uh, in addition to to what scott said important for me yeah, and I think Tracy brings up that good point too. And the challenge I think of working remote, and I think we all suffered from this, is there was really no break. There was no separation. Like when you go to the office, you might commute into an office and then you commute out of the office. There tend to be a natural break. When we're sitting in these back rooms at our home, it was a cycle that never ended. And I think that was really draining on people. And I think to Tracy's point, you had to reinforce it's okay. Make sure you have you know, dinner with your family because I think people just tended to work many, many more hours during the pandemic than in normal because there was no separation. And that was a challenge. And I think we had to actually do like force PTO. We would have to call up and say, you've got to take next week off. You just have to take that week off. You have to recharge. And, you know, it was, it was difficult. Were there red flags along the way when you were noticing some of your like 
very in-demand employees or or high-profile leaders um, where you were able to say, like, this person needs the break or this person ne- needs the time? Like, what kind of checks and balances did you sort of run almost at a personal leadership level to take care of your other leaders who are in these in these hot seats with you? Yeah, absolutely. I I had a daily phone call with our our head of HR and a lot of it was spent on, hey, so-and-so in this office really is struggling, needs a break. I mean, that was the the daily phone call. And then we'd figure out the outreach and and we would do things. We would send, you know, meals to people's homes, set up meal services. Um, You know, we had so many uh, pregnancies and and babies born during the pandemic. And, and, you know, there was just all those human moments that you you had to adapt to. Yeah, Yeah, similar for me. And we have something we call Moderna Month. So it's it's um, a month away from the office. And we um, encouraged that or triggered that with a couple of the folks that we knew needed a break. And we also um, sought out how to rotate people. Right. So how do you rotate someone who's really high performing into a different area? Um, we had a great woman in manufacturing who was leading a whole bunch of the COVID effort, um, take a bit of time and then rotate into HR. And now she's rotated back into manufacturing. And so we had a couple of those scenarios because sometimes when you're close to burnout, um, you just need a different you need to look at the company through a different lens or you just need a different kind of rotation or assignment. And so that's something that we did then, um, but that we're also you know pulling through now. So looking ahead, you know, we've talked about what the pandemic and the the peak of it felt like and what that looked like. What what will you take with you and continue to apply when you're looking at talent retention, recruiting, maintaining that culture? Like culture is going to look different than it did a year ago. And the needs of what our cultures need to look like next year are going to be different than they were this year. And, And what are some of the core values, the practices, the things that you can, you intend to continue to apply and what are some of the things that you might be exploring or using to inform what is needed next? Those are big questions, Megan. I think a lot of the unknown is we're, as we're diving into this, this next chapter, culture was not, if I can speak more to the, the agency side where the human interaction was always really critical to the culture. And I think we definitely took a hit you know, I think we thought the pandemic was originally going to be a sprint, like <laughs> got through this for six months and then it turned into a marathon, which I think was was a whole different challenge that you had to hunker down for, for the long haul. And, and culture definitely took a hit. Uh, we had a lot of people join the company who had never been to an office, who had not met people, you know, face to face. And I think that that had some difficulties. I think we also adapted, you know, in this time of you know, working remote. I think everybody would say there was some there were some good things about remote and there were some bad things about remote. And I think we're now moving into a hybrid model. Um, folks are actually coming back next week officially. Um, the offices will reopen and people are going to be coming in. You know, two we're asking for at least two days a week. You can come in as as much as you want, but at least try to come in two days a week and. I think people are really ready for that as we've done surveys and talked to, to people where maybe a year ago they weren't as comfortable. Now people seem like, yeah, we really need to have some of that human interaction. And I do think uh, I started doing a few months ago going two days a week because I'm like, I'm not going to ask somebody to do something unless I want to do it first. And 
What I found what was interesting was the equilibrium you get from that. So when the night before, if I'm going into the city, the office, I'm like, oh, I'm going to the city tomorrow. That, that'll be kind of nice. But then also to say, oh, tomorrow I'm going to work from home and, and, and that'll be nice too. So I think that equilibrium and flexibility and adaptability, uh, we've learned how to adapt on the fly. And I think we, from even a technology aspect, we've really improved the technology. We can, we can do things remote if for some reason we had to go go back, easy to do. Uh, so I think we, we know how to be flexible and kind of take some of those learning lessons but I do believe that the human interaction at some level is, is really important. And I, I said from day one, we're not going to become a virtual company. At some point, we will be coming back at some level. Yeah, yeah and we've taken it even a little bit further. So we, we believe in a primary, primarily in-person culture. Um, so we are still a fairly young organization. We scaled very quickly. There's a lot of work that we need to do cleanup, but there's also a ton of innovation that we're doing. Um, but our landscape has changed overnight, right? And so um, we were primarily Massachusetts based and now we have offices all over the world and we're looking at four or five more hubs in in the US. And so, so it's not a primary in person in Cambridge, although we are investing heavily in brand new buildings um, and things of that nature, making sure it's the right type of environment when people come back. Um, I have not given official guidance yet around, and I don't think I will around what that means because I believe in flexibility too, right? And so how do you, how do you um, look at what's needed to be done for your company, for your team, and then what you personally, um, you know, need to have accomplished in terms of flexibility in your life? So we firmly believe in that, um, but we do invest in facilities in the core to bring people um, together. And so we like to say we're running an experiment. We'll see how that goes. Um, you know, and it's interesting. I have gotten feedback from people, particularly newer hires, saying like. That's not what everybody else is doing. And I, you know, kindly smile back and I say, well, we don't want to be everybody else, right? We're building something that's never existed before. Um, and so, so the way that we believe we need to operate um, looks like this. And sometimes that's popular and sometimes it's not, but we'll certainly continue to take feedback and adjust. And I think it's shifting rapidly too, Tracy, as I'm in the Bay Area in San Francisco and all surrounded by technology companies and they're starting to come back quickly. You know, and a lot of even the companies that were like, oh, we may be remote forever. They're kind of changing. Yeah. I think everybody's realized, particularly this last year, how important a level of human interaction is. I, I believe that as this thing starts to really pick up some steam, it'll snap back rather quickly. I think people will be surprised how quickly. I don't think you go back to 2019, and, and I've got a lot of my own folks saying, are, are, are we ever going back five days? I don't think so. I don't think we need to be back in the office five days a week. Um, but I do think the hybrid model is, is going to be important. I do think people are gonna be surprised how quickly it'll look more like 2019 than it looked like in 2021 is kind of what, what I see. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think, Tracy, you said it so well just a moment ago, we're, we're all living an experiment right now. And um, I, I thank you both, um, Scott, for your predictions and your assessment. And hopefully the next time all three of us see each other, we will not be on Zoom and it can be in person, as we all agree that is, is the best. So um, I, any, any parting words before we sign off, Tracy, Scott? 
I think the only parting words is, is such a, what do you, it's, you almost lose the adjective of what interesting times we've been through, but I think you learned a lot about human spirit, resolution and resolve. Uh, we are, we were in awe of what Moderna accomplished during this time frame. I think it was nothing short of heroic and, you know, it was inspiring to watch that. And I think that, that we as an agency and our clients and what we all had to do to get through this, it was it was kind of a, a, an incredible challenge. And I think a challenge of a lifetime from a business standpoint and something that we will never forget. I totally agree. And I think we couldn't have done it without all of our partners, right? With our so many, you guys included, who helped us um, and contributed significantly around the globe um, to really to, to, to be able to pr produce a vaccine. And so um, we're hugely thankful for, for everyone's support as well. There you have it. Um, this has been the Provoke Media Podcast. Thank you to Tracy Franklin of Moderna and Scott Allison of Allison and Partners, our um, sponsored partner of this episode. And um, thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. You've been listening to the Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.